Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. I think fascinating is the key word describing this episode. What you are about to hear is the very essence of quantum living, that is, enhancing our life experience on this planet by aligning it with the spirit world and esoteric knowledge in a quantum way. Most people have heard of ayahuasca, a hallucinogenic plant brew from the Amazon jungle. Not many people know, however, that this is a potent, multidimensional healing potion, first and foremost. And even fewer people would know that there is a whole body of indigenous, sacred, shamanic plant medicine knowledge, which includes many different plants, whose role is to connect us with the plant kingdom, with Mother Nature and the Spirit at the deepest level of communication, respect, and healing. And yet we, the Western scientific world, still know so very little about it. I wanted to do a special episode on plant medicine for a long time, so I was thrilled when synchronicity, as it always does, has recently connected me with the right person, who has the first-hand experience and knowledge of this subject matter. My special guest today is Roma Libre. Roma is an integration facilitator for plant medicine, evolutionary astrologer, intuitive energy healer, and photographer. She has been working exclusively in the Shipibo tribe plant medicine tradition of ayahuasca and plant dieta for over seven years. During that time, she worked in some well-known healing centers in South America, as well as helping set up manage, and facilitate an independent plant dieta center in the Peruvian Amazon. Roma has a multidisciplinary background, with qualifications and certifications including Kundalini Yoga teacher, Qigong, evolutionary astrology, Sekem energy healing, as well as qualifications in design and photography from her previous career path. Committed to sharing the wisdom of the Shipibo tribe and the medicine plants, Roma dedicates most of her time to offering authentic ayahuasca and plant dieta immersion programs in the Peruvian Amazon forest, with plans to expand them to Mexico. She also offers evolutionary astrology, birth chart readings, and remote second quantum energy healing. And now Roma joins me from Mexico City. Hello, Roma. Welcome. It's great to have you on my show. How are you? Hello, Anna. So good to be here with you. Um, very, very well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Yes, absolutely. We are in the brand new year and hopefully 
much, much better than the previous one. Well, I guess we better make ourselves comfy because we have so much to talk about. So to kick off, could you tell us about your personal journey? How did you end up on this path? Oh, well, okay. Well, this is a rather long story and I'll try and keep it short and succinct um, <laughs> as all stories are, right? Um, sure. It began in 2015 when I went traveling for four months uh, around South America. I decided to take some time off from uh, many years of working in a very, uh, a very intense industry, in the advertising industry, and, uh, and to really just go and explore, um, go and take time to find myself, so to speak. And during this trip, I uh, decided to go and do a 10-day ayahuasca retreat immersion in the Amazon in Peru in a well-known healing center. And well, that's where everything began. It completely blew me wide open um, in every sense of the word. And before this time, I really had, uh, in a way, no sense of my deeper, higher uh, awareness, or let's say spirituality. I had lived a, a life that was, I would say I was very much uh, living in my subconscious and uh, I hadn't awoken yet. And, um, and so this uh, retreat um, opened the gateway for the rest of my life to unfold. Um, it instigated uh, the, the decision for me to leave London completely, leave my life, leave, uh, you know, everything that I had worked for and to take a leap of faith and uh, go and find whatever I was, uh, you know, searching for at that time. I didn't know what that was. And, uh, you know, in a way, the, the, the journey still continues, the, the kind of the mystery of the journey. Um, but certainly now looking back after uh, seven years or so, um, I was searching for a deeper meaning, um, also a deeper connection to myself, first and foremost, and as a result, a deeper connection to um, the natural world, the simplicity of life, um, Really, that's actually one of the key things, uh, to simplify my life, to simplify um, the, the goals that I, 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 was, uh, I was working towards. And so then I kept traveling. I decided to become a nomad. And, uh, and I traveled for, well, up until the pandemic. The pandemic made me kind of, you know, situate myself somewhere. And, uh, and I would travel a big part of the world, but mostly in South America. And during this time, I was also searching for a lot of healing. Uh, I had inherited, let's say, a lot of ancestral patterns that weren't serving me. And, uh, and I was searching to really find more wholeness, inner peace, because I had uh, the first 30 years of my life, I had lived in a lot of kind of inner turmoil. And uh, I like to be as transparent as possible 
in the knowing that, you know, uh, each of our journeys, whether they're seemingly seen as good or bad, it's all part of the divine plan. And so the first 30 years of my life, I was very much in, um, in a way of approaching life where I wasn't in harmony with myself and others and the world around me. And so there was a lot of there was a lot of search for solace, a lot of search for finding a way to feel comfortable in my own skin. And so I tried out many different healing modalities. I went to many courses and retreats, yoga, sound healing, uh, different types of um, uh, medicinal plants. And um, I just kept being drawn back to the Amazon and to work with a very specific lineage from the Shipibo tradition in Peru that work with the medicine of ayahuasca and other plant medicines there. It's a very uh, advanced kind of plant medicine uh, tradition. Okay, well, beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. For those who are not familiar with ayahuasca or plant medicine, could you tell us what is ayahuasca and other plant medicine? Uh, in this conversation, I understand we will focus on ayahuasca, but there is a whole body of knowledge, as I said in my intro, about plant medicine that serves a particular purpose. So, could you talk to what is ayahuasca and why people do it, why people ingest it, why people want to have this experience and what happens? For sure, yes. So ayahuasca essentially is a vine that is native to the Amazon. And when combined with the leaves from a bush called chacruna, it makes this psychoactive brew that we call ayahuasca and this psychoactive brew uh, is used in a ceremonial setting to help uh, with psycho-spiritual conditions and to cause positive shifts within, within one's consciousness and it has over 40 different names it has been used by a wide range of indigenous tribes across the upper amazon basin so what is the purpose of taking ayahuasca? For what reasons people do it? And is everyone's experience the same or is it different? So there's various reasons why people would be drawn to working with uh, the medicine of ayahuasca. Uh, some out of curiosity, which was uh, my initial um, uh, first uh, approach to it. I wanted to explore my consciousness. I had heard that it had powerful healing effects, uh, specifically to uh, what we would call the shadow aspects within us. Um, they can range from uh, traumas that we've had in life to addictions to um, anything that isn't serving us, so to speak, blockages and 
limiting beliefs. And so there's, you know, various reasons why someone might want to go and explore that healing modality um, from subtle shifts in consciousness that you might want to have to then big um, uh, trauma-based work. Mm, Okay. One key question that I have, which I feel underpins this conversation is when we're talking about the various properties of ayahuasca, such as psychedelic effect, healing, etc., are we talking about purely its chemical components that affect our bodies at the physical and cellular level levels? Or is there something much more to it? Are we talking about some sort of connection with higher levels of consciousness, because I would assume that there are other plants and not not necessarily those considered as plant medicine with similar components, and yet they are not used for this purpose. So is there something special beyond the physical about ayahuasca and other plant medicine? Yeah, that's a very good uh, question that you raised there, because that is, in essence, the the core kind of principle or um, idea or belief that um, these um, Amazonian tribes and healers um, believe and uh, and know, which is that they believe that these plants, ayahuasca and other uh, medicinal plants um, well in fact let's say all plants have uh, consciousnesses and they are sentient beings they feel and they uh, discern and are, have awareness just like we do and beyond that um, there's the idea it's called animism there's the idea that Um, all inanimate objects have consciousness and spirit, even rocks and uh, and water and all the elements that we can see around. Absolutely. Would you be happy to share with us your first experience with ayahuasca? Sure, of course. Um, to the extent that, <laughs> that you are comfortable, obviously. Yeah. It's so kind of multidimensional, the experience. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, of course. I would love to share a little bit about my first uh, experience. At least, you know, the first seven ceremonies I had over those 10 days uh-huh. of retreat. It was uh, very uh, multifaceted. Um, there were layers of uh, having this conscious awareness that there were these shifts happening within me, but also a lot of it happens within the subconscious. So you can just feel from even one day to another, this great big shift within maybe your heart space or the way you perceive, you have perceived something in life, it suddenly shifts. And so that's what essentially I experienced in, um, in this program. The first thing that, uh, the medicine really addressed within me was the, the relationship with my parents. And we can, you know, we can really say that the relationship with our parents is 
one of the root causes of uh, our beingness, like uh, the way that we are shaped. So there was an incredible amount of healing I experienced with the relationship with my mother. And essentially what it showed me was that the relationship with my mother was really the relationship that I had with my own feminine aspect that was out of balance. Okay, if you could perhaps take us through the ceremony. So what actually takes place? What happens? How long does it take? What are the phases of what we call an ayahuasca experience? The ceremony with the Shapibo tribe. Could you paint us a picture? Yeah, of course. In the Amazon jungle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that's a really good question because, you know, if you think that there are uh, almost 70 or plus tribes that use this medicine of ayahuasca, they all um, use this tool essentially in many different ways. They have different ceremonial rituals around the, the drinking, the, the ingestion of this medicine. And the Shipibo lineage are known for uh, working with ayahuasca in a very advanced way with sound technology um, in the form of healing songs that are directly transmitted from the plant spirits themselves. And so what a ceremony looks like is... Uh, it's very interesting. We uh, all sit around a kind of circular um, uh, ceremony space called the Maloka. And we uh, sit in our individual mats. The uh, healer or curandero, we call them in Spanish, um, sit in the middle and we are sat around the outskirts of the, of the ceremony space. And in a very kind of contained and uh, respectful way, we each go to the healer or they come to us and serve the brew. Then we drink and we set maybe an, an intention before we drink of what we would like to work through in that particular ceremony. So you're connecting directly with the spirit of ayahuasca. Then we go back, we sit in our individual mats the lights are turned off, or say the candles, and then we sit in uh, silence for about 30 minutes to an hour uh, for the medicine to kick in. And so that's in, in complete darkness, yes? Yes, in complete darkness. Because that's at night. Of course, yes, yeah, that's okay. at night. And we wait for the psychoactive effects to uh, be felt within our body, mind, and spirit. And then we're really encouraged to treat this almost like a, a meditation uh, where you're in your own um, kind of experience and, uh, and you are opening yourself to receive and also to be receptive to the healing effects of the medicine. Then the what we we also call them maestros or curanderos, but in the Shipibo lineage we call them maestros, like uh, teachers. 
um, then they will open the space with uh, very specific healing songs that are called ikaros. And they are opening the space and calling in the spirit of the plants that they have an allegiance with, also the ancestral lineage, so all the ancestral spirits that come through that have worked generations back with all these plant uh, medicines. And they begin to protect the space because that's incredibly important. We're, you know, essentially opening up portals of consciousness and it's important to protect it energetically and spiritually. Uh, then they will um, take it in turns, if there's more than one maestro, let's say, to come and sit in front of each guest or each uh, patient and sing to them a very specific, unique song that is um, directed to, towards them. And this song is essentially being channeled by the maestro. The maestro's at the time. At the time? Yes. Wow, okay. So the maestro's are essentially vehicles or instruments for the plants to sing through them. So are they in trance? I wouldn't say they're in trance. They are certainly, they also drink the medicine, of course. Um, but they're in a state of um, this very strong connection with the realms of the plants that they have uh, connected with over the years. And it's a kind of synergistic uh, collaboration between the maestro, the plant spirits, and of course the medicine and the spirit of ayahuasca. And um, and then the patient itself. So we are encouraged to really sit up and be as present as we can with, um, with what's being um, opened up within us. Yes, there's many, there's many nuances to the ceremony that I could go into, but essentially that's the, that's the way the ceremony unfolds. Then once they have sung individually, to each um, to each participant, then they may go back and they may sing again and open up um, space again to do a collective healing. Um, but again, this all varies depending on uh, each lineage within the Shipibo um, line because so each maestro has their own ritual even within the Shipibo tradition is so each maestro will be connected to a particular family lineage of maestros that have uh, come before them normally it's their grandparents or you know their their great grandparents and so on and so each family lineage work in a slightly different way they have their own unique way of um communing with the plants and then therefore how they deliver the, the medicine of the plants. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works, 
and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual, and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Mm, fascinating. So you mentioned specific experiences, emotional and, and psychological experiences that you had, and quite profound going well into your subconscious mind or even unconscious, I, I would say. You mentioned multidimensional experience regarding your shadow work. Could you talk to this a bit more just to give us a sense, either drawing on your own experience or what you know about what other people have experienced, just to give us a bit more sense of what does this experience do or can do? especially regarding the shadow work and what is shadow work to begin with? Of course. Oh, good question, Zena. Um, so really the medicine opens up this space within us um, that really touches on our subconscious and psycho-spiritual realm. It even goes beyond the quantum realm. It's hard to really put everything that is experienced or can be experienced into words because everyone's experience is very different and even each ceremony that one might have will be totally different from the, the last one or the one following. Um, it can vary. So the experiences can vary from having very subtle, um, very subtle journeys where you feel perhaps the medicine in your body and you feel um, the plants working through you and through vibrational healing to then you being able to access and, and penetrate through different um, dimensional realms and frequencies, what we, what we, would, what we would think of or Uh, described as psychedelic experiences. Is it true that you always have a physical cleansing effect, such as vomiting, infective and violent vomiting, as many people have reported, or is it still a very individual experience? Yeah, again, it's, um, it is always a very individual experience, but generally speaking, yes, we are releasing a lot of discordant patterns that we are held within our mind, body, and spirit 
through different ways of uh, purging. So we can purge through crying, uh, yawning, sweating, shaking, also the standard uh, vomiting and also going to the toilet. (laughs) So there's many different ways. And actually, one of the most uh, common ways is a mental purging where you have a lot of thought patterns that, you know, um, are very ingrained within you that suddenly get very heightened and you're releasing them through experiencing those thought patterns. Mm. Um, so it's very multifaceted, very uh, multi-experiential. And, and your description, multidimensional thing is very accurate in that it actually it captures so very well the scope of this experience, multidimensional, beautiful. I haven't had an ayahuasca experience, but I've read quite a few descriptions of it. And I'd like to share with you one that stuck in my mind in particular. One person, uh, in fact, that there was a, um, a description of a group experience or there were a couple of people in the same session, if you like, or the same, uh, the same ayahuasca sitting, where they reported that during the experience, they at some point entered another realm in their mind, another dimension. And in that different realm, so it was a quote-unquote psychedelic experience, if you like. In that realm, they were greeted by a particular entity or consciousness, non-humanoid entity of a particular description, who then took them on on the journey, etc. But what was interesting is that the other person independently reported the same entity that met them in that other dimension. What are your thoughts? How this could have happened, and and is it common? Yeah, of course it can be common because this uh, realm that we're in, the manifested three D realm, is just but one of many other dimensions that are just as real and just as connected to each and one of us um, as as this would be. So we can certainly have the same access to information um, that the other person does. Were you met by a particular entity or consciousness in your journey? They have. <laughs> if you would like to share. <laughs> I do appreciate that an ayahuasca experience is a very personal one. So even though people can share the experience and and talk about it, at the end of the day, it is deeply personal. And as you said, there are parts of that experience which can't be even described in words. So I will qualify my question to the extent that you can share with us this experience were you in any of your ayahuasca journeys where you met by a particular entity? And I'm curious whether it was always the same entity on those, on they were all different. Um, of course, I have met um, various entities because the, a lot of these entities that you experience, especially within the Shipibo lineage, uh, seem like they are otherworldly, but often they are uh, the spirit of the plants that manifest themselves into different forms. They are like shapeshifters. Mm. 
So they may appear sometimes like um, insect-like alien beings, yeah, but actually yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the spirit of the plants, and we ah. think that it's some, something much, much further and and more kind of obscure and cosmic than what it is. I mean, it is cosmic, but mm. um, we don't necessarily uh, relate it to the, a, a plant or a tree. Um, we're working in the realm of spirit. So, of course, there are going to be all these uh, very profound experiences where you are met with um, other spirits. Mm. And for sure, I've had all those experiences and they have been very um, beautiful and sometimes also uh, frightening mm. to be transparent. It's it's important to say okay. that because when you're met with something like that, uh, that you're not, you've never seen before and it wow. feels very real, um, you're met with a lot of uh, fear of the unknown, of course. Wow. And, but uh, frightening as in threatening or just frightening because it was unknown? I mean, what, did, did you feel threatened? Like, mm-hmm. Well, it, at times I have done, and that's because where my mind is at, depending how I choose to interpret that experience and that vision in front of me, let's say, or that energy in front of me, do I... Uh, choose to, and this is actually a very uh, good uh, point that you that you make because what I've learned through the years is how do I choose to meet anything that's presented in front of me, even in this realm, you know, without any plants, something that is perceived as threatening is that because of my interpretation of something that is unknown to me. So over the years, I've, um, I've practiced um, meeting all these experiences with a sense of equanimity. I love that word, um, a sense of uh, neutrality, of this is just an experience and maybe it, it causes a discomfort within my body or within uh, my mental realm, but I'm going to sit and just observe observe without attachment in labeling it as good or bad, uh, you know, wonderful or, or, or painful. Um, and so to kind of go back around to your uh, question in terms of uh, having or experiencing these uh, very out there experiences, I think the the medicine of ayahuasca, even though it gives you all these uh, incredible uh, openings and accesses to other um, realms and spirits, what it's always uh, integrating within you is how to um, meet things from a very human-based sense of like how to meet myself and anything that seems to be outside of me, but actually is inside of me, how to meet it with the virtues that cause harmony and balance and peace.
beautiful. Oh, I'm loving it. That's a really beautiful description. I understand that there are two ways of working with plant medicine. One is in a ceremony, which you have described more or less, but there is also another way which is called plant dieta, and that's perhaps suitable for people who, for whatever reason, may not able be able to attend a ceremony in the jungle. Could you talk to the plant dieta? What is it and how people, generally speaking, could access it? Yeah, of course. So to, to give a little background, there's the medicine of ayahuasca, and you can go and uh, do an ayahuasca immersion or retreat where you um, work with um, ayahuasca in a ceremonial setting. And, uh, and you work specifically with that medicine through those ceremonies. And the plant dieta um, process or, um, yeah, like process is, is a level, is a step deeper than, say, ayahuasca. So traditionally, the plant dieta process was um, a way for the practicing or apprenticing healer to um, connect with um, other plant uh, spirits or medicinal plants, let's say. And this is a process where you go into the forest and immerse yourself there in isolation and drink the, the particular plant brew that you are dieting, so to speak. And, uh, and you start to commune and forge a relationship or a connection with that plant spirit who then uh, teaches you, heals you, offers you higher wisdom and beyond that, like uh, then when we're getting into uh, true kind of curanderismo or uh, becoming a healer, it also um, offers you um, channels of, uh, of healing, of you being able to heal with their assistance. And in the past, um, say, 10 years or so, the plant dieta uh, tradition has uh, been opened up to us Westerners um, and been slightly adapted to our needs and our way of um, approaching the medicine. Uh, so a lot of uh, people have started to go and uh, go through these processes um, to, in order to, to cause deeper healing effects within us. Um, so, for instance, if you go to a plant dieta, you will work with the medicine of ayahuasca through ceremonies and also connect with a particular plant spirit that uh, becomes your, your ally, your teacher, your healer in a kind of spiritual energetic way. So the energetic seed of that plant gets planted within your solar plexus. And then within the dieta process, you uh, engage in very specific behavioral and dietary um, uh, restrictions or conditions to create an environment where you are, you are becoming attuned to the plant's vibration and energy. 
and so that then the plant can penetrate through all your body and your psyche and start to cause the transformative effects. Right. So this way, this method is much more profound, as you, as you said, and goes much deeper. I would also assume that it happens over several days or maybe weeks or months, as opposed to just one ceremony. Yeah, so over an extended period of time, um, there are a lot of uh, what we call healing dietas that are offered nowadays uh, that normally last um, 15 days. And then once you're getting to a month or longer, then you are uh, then going into much uh, deeper processes within the, the dieta process. So there's two types of dietas that we could label, the healing dietas and the learning dietas. The healing dietas are there to give that extra depth of uh, healing and transformation because you are aligning with and you're becoming in allegiance with a plant spirit that not only serves your healing over that period of time, but also beyond uh, your time uh, in the immersion or retreat. And then there are the learning diets that are much longer and they're much more strict and they should really follow the traditional way of uh, approaching a dieta, which means there's a lot of fasting involved. And you have done that. Yes, I understand. You have done plant dieta with fasting. With How was that experience for you? Um, it's all the things you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of, you know, um, there's a lot of attachments that you need to almost let go of. Um, uh, there's a lot of challenges. I have to say that as a, a very important note within all of this that going into a plant dieta is not for everyone. Also the medicine of ayahuasca is not for everyone. Um, and when you are considering going into a plant dieta, you have to really think about the commitment and the dedication and the discipline that it requires for you to meet that medicine practice with, uh, with kind of reverence and with the right application. Um, but it's a process that I, I, I moved into slowly, slowly. So the first three years I did uh, a bunch of or a number of 15-day dietas. And now I'm, in, I'm going a, a little deeper and they're months long now. But at the beginning, I could never do a month or three months long dieta. It would have been too much for me. Um, again, like my healer says, it's important to crawl. Like, we're like babies when we're going into this these practices. So first, we we crawl and we we tray and we diet the little herbs and the plants. Then we start to walk, and then we we can you know. Run. Traditionally, the plant dieta um, follows a process of first purification. Um, purifying the mind, body, and spirit. And what you would do is um, drink a particular plant remedy that causes you to purge 
physically and also mentally and emotionally. And uh, depending on the maestro and the lineage, they all um, administer this slightly differently. But within my lineage, uh, you would go into dieta and the first five days, you're not drinking any ayahuasca. You're not also not beginning to diet or connect with that plant spirit. You're first purifying your body uh, in order for then you to be as clear a vessel as possible so that when you then start to drink the plant that you are connecting with, it always has the most purest uh, environment, internal garden, so to speak, so that then it can penetrate without, um, without like causing a shock, like an energetic shock. So the first five days, we're doing a lot of, uh, they, they're called per, uh, like bombativos or purgatories. And, uh, and you might need to go to the toilets or, you know, uh, do a lot of um, elimination. And then you'd start to drink the plant brew. And you'd drink that over the course of maybe three days. Just a little cup. It's not, uh, it's not large. It's like a little, um, yeah, cup's worth. And uh, you sit with that, uh, with the plant, normally in the evening. And you open to receive... Uh, any energetic effects that may occur uh, after you drink. During that process, you are then invited to fast. When and this is particularly when you are drinking the plant brew, not throughout the whole period. And there's, you know, you always have your sovereignty. Nothing is ever imposed on you. It's as long as you can do it. And as long as you feel the capacity to. Do you do this in isolation or or in Traditionally, you would, but now in the mo- in the modern setting or like the modern theaters that you might call them, a lot of the centers still, you know, uh, do them in groups. Um, but you're still contained in your cabin, and you know, you're 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 encouraged not to socialize, and uh, it's very much like being in meditation and in devotion to that plant spirit so that then the plant spirit can come and uh, A, just work through your whole uh, system without um, much disturbance. And then how do you know it's the end or you just stop it or do you know when to stop it? So you choose how long you want to diet for. And normally programs um Short programs last around 10 to 15 days, or you may choose 30 days, a whole month. Um, it really depends, and it's always your choice. It's never anyone else's, which is important to say. And all the, let's say, yeah, all the applications, all the processes of elimination, again, it's also your choice. 
if you feel that your body cannot handle the fasting, then you eat, but you, you try and eat as little as possible. The other kind of angle to frame it, why we would fast for so, uh, so much, is because as you're eliminating all the densities from your body and your body is breaking down its cells, as it's doing that, the plant that you have ingested is regenerating new cells. And so then it's becoming like it's, it has like a, an even more um, a stronger, potent way to transform you on a cellular level. Mm. So once you have finished your plant dieta, and I don't know how many you have done, but let's say the most recent one, or anyone for that matter, once you finished, how did you feel in terms of any difference before and after? Let's put it this way. Again, it's like an ayahuasca ceremony in that I couldn't give you like a, a, a list of this is how you're going to feel different because it all depends in a way on your intention, what you want to go and work uh, through uh, when you're there. Also, the plant that you diet, how long you've dieted for. But certainly for me, in terms of the healing diets, they're very much about uh, clearing away a lot of the shadow aspects that uh, hold us back, that limit us, that create um, distortions within our perspectives and consciousness. Um, there are certain things when working with, say, the medicine of ayahuasca and the plant dieta uh, tradition. So there are certain things that will uh, shift within us that are very long-lasting, and you always feel like, wow, that has left me. But a lot of this work that you do with the plants is almost a process of them showing you a way, showing you a new way, and then when you return back home, um, you then have to integrate that into everyday living. But certainly the plants, there are plants for many, or I would like to say all kinds of conditions. So if you go with a physical condition like diabetes or um, mental conditions or uh, anything, any kind of like um, discordant diseases in the body, there's a plant for everything. That's what the Shipibo, um believe, that the, the, the Amazon has a pharmacy that is able to alleviate all kinds of psycho-spiritual conditions within us and physical, of course. Um, so depending on the plant that you are working with and other plant remedies within that process, you can cause exponential uh, shifts and changes, transformations that are very hard to describe, Anna, because... Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that. Now, in relation to ayahuasca itself, I have heard and read about quite a few accounts of the ayahuasca healing process being particularly effective to heal drug addiction. I would think that both the physical purging of the body 
and the spiritual aspect to it and an emotional aspect to it create together a very potent tool or technique or, or method of getting rid of drug addictions, which otherwise are very difficult to stop. Yes, yeah, certainly. And that's because you're healing at the root cause of that attachment that you have that you feel you need to fill yourself with. And that root cause is often uh, resides in the subconscious mind um, through the experiences that we've had, um, through traumas that we've had. And, uh, and so, yeah, that definitely the um, addictions is only but one of the many things that uh, can be possible for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. You touched upon um, earlier on um, on a very important aspect of the plant medicine and ayahuasca, and that is uh, efficacy and ethics. So could you talk to this in terms of whether this is suitable for everyone? Uh, and if not, why not? What are the precautions or limitations or protocols or dangers and uh, how to choose the right healer and location because as I understand and we we talked about it before this recording uh, more broadly about some issues within that well I wouldn't call it industry (laughs) within that space of plant medicine healing which takes place predominantly within indigenous communities in the Amazon, but has been more and more taken out of that space and into the modern settings in the Western world. So could you talk to the efficacy and ethics of this process? Because I think this is one of the most important aspects of it. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's the most important aspect um, in order to do uh, safe healing work, it's very important to um, discern, um, have your own discernment as to how you want to approach a medicine like ayahuasca, not just really um, the medicine of ayahuasca and, and, and the plant uh, dietas, but all psychoactive, uh, psychedelic plants. Um, for me personally, and I can really only speak from my own experience, I've been um, very careful to jump around and go to any uh, healer that is uh, that I find. Um, I've always um, tried to um, work with um, a healer that has either been recommended by someone that I know and has had the experience of having positive effects um, and, yeah, and having that direct experience. It's important to uh, really think about how you want to approach um, any tradition like this, um, whether, you know, all the factors surrounding um, the setting uh, where the medicine is being um, shared by whom 
um, what the people are, what the facilitators, uh, how they feel. And a lot of the time, your feeling, like your intuition, will sense whether it feels good or not. Um, I really um, I think it's important to honor the traditions, the root traditions of where these medicines come from. Because when we take them out of their uh, original setting, or original kind of protocol, then we lose something that's very important. All the kind of, you know, like uh, considerations and protocols around taking these medicines. Um, and then when you lose those uh, protocols, then you open up the uh, possibility of running into complications um, because these plant medicines aren't uh, to be taken lightly. Uh, and why? Because we're working in the realm of spirit and uh, the energetic realm. And the energetic realm, well, we, it's so vast, we don't even know like how or what, you know. Um, and so you want to be working with someone that knows and has had experience and uh, has had practice and has over years of time. Um, so, you know, there. And who can intervene and help you out if things go wrong? So they would be observing you, I assume. And they can tell that, say, if your body can't take it anymore or there is something happening, they can intervene, even going into that spirit world to help you and to protect exactly. you, which will not happen if you are invited to an ayahuasca journey, you know, somewhere downtown New York, organized by just someone who obtained the brew. So they are not a shaman, not a healer, and they have absolutely no no knowledge, not a clue <laughs> what to do in terms of the spiritual aspect of the ceremony. So, yeah, I hear you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, that's crucial. I have heard of uh, stories that haven't gone so well in those types of settings. And it's exactly the reason that it, the practitioners, all the people that pose as maybe healers and they've only really had um, very um, limited experience, aren't able to hold that container with the right protection and with the right kind of administering uh, the vibrational healing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something. And so I would recommend... Um, people to really take their time. I always, I really trust that if the medicine is meant to fall into your path in the right way, it will. Uh, not to necessarily kind of um, search for it, but just allow it to find you. Because again, we're working with spirit. So what I've done before is I've, I've, uh, I've offered myself the my intention of I want to work with this particular plant and then I just let it go and then the right uh, the right situation the right opportunity has risen um, and then again going through recommendations 
I would say there are very few uh, out of all the centers, there are very few that I would I would trust to go to, even though they might seem, yeah, um, that's very important. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta, the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. So I understand, and again, we talked about it before the recording, that unfortunately, there is also some, shall we say, lack of integrity in some situations in terms of people who pretend to be shamans and who are not. So again, as you said, it's really wise to go with recommended, tried and tested centers and and healers uh, just to make sure that nothing untoward will happen and that we will essentially get the experience that we want. Are there any if you like standard precautions in terms of particular scenarios where ayahuasca and other plant medicine is definitely not recommended or not suitable for some? Yeah, um, we have to look at uh, the medical background first of all. If you, if someone might suffer from a mental um, disorder in some way or has a an instability, uh, then I would not recommend that because it opens up um, uh, that to be amplified. Um, I, I would also like to say that that doesn't mean that you can't work with medicinal plants. Just you have to be very discerning as to whether um, a psychoactive plant like ayahuasca is um, the right fit. But there are many medicinal plants in the Amazon through maybe say this tradition like the Shipibo that are not psychoactive, but they still work very subtly and in, in harmony with say the mental realm or the emotional body and can, can cause, um, can cause a, uh, potent uh, healing effects. And what about physical conditions? For example, uh, if someone is pregnant or they have a particular health issue, are there any such precautions? Apart from maybe pregnancy, with this lineage, you can, and with the right maestro and the right set of plants and process, which I am connected to, you can... You can have almost anyone come through and be treated. 
but it, the treatment will be very specific to them. It will be very uh, tailored to them. So, for instance, if someone uh, comes with a severe physical uh, condition, disease, um, they wouldn't necessarily uh, work with the medicine of ayahuasca, but they'll work with another medicinal tree that helps to start to clean those discordant uh, energy uh, energy within the body to then start cleaning uh, the condition. Uh, and we're talking really any condition. There is even, uh, my teacher has shown me a tree that uh, helps to cure cancer. Is it Sa San Sandra the, the Dragon? Sangre de Grava, it's not that one, but yeah, it's not that one, but I, I know of that one. No, it's another tree. Um, there's also a, a plant that helps to um, cure HIV. Wow. And my teacher has uh, helped to clear HIV from a family member that they had, and they are completely cleared of that. So... You know, I want to say, yes, there are definitely um, precautions that one must take within the medicine of ayahuasca, for sure. But within this Shipibo um, tradition, it's very holistic. It's almost like a, a whole system technology that uses the uh, Amazon, which is essentially a pharmacy. Okay. Yes. And speaking about potency, I mentioned that plant Sangre de Dragon. What is it again? Sangre? Sangre de Grado. Sangre de Dragon, which is dragon's blood. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it is so potent that when it is prescribed by the healer, the dosage is between one and three drops. Yes. So there was a documentary about a lady who had cancer, like really advanced cancer, and she went to the jungle for the plant medicine treatment. And I remember specifically out of, you know, all the, the whole documentary, one thing that stuck with me was when the shaman was instructing someone to create a particular brew, plant brew for this lady. And he said, just to add one drop of that plant, Sangre the Dragon, Dragon's Blood, because it is so potent. And he said, not two drops yet, give her just one drop. So that's the level of potency we are talking about, you know, not just a cup, not cup, not, not even teaspoon or tablespoon. We're talking drops. Yes. It can certainly be like that. If it's a, if it's a powerful tree, like Sangre de Grado, um, that particular tree is very good at healing internal and external wounds. Um, and as well as other things. But yes, um, there's a specific, um, let's say, medicine measure for each plant and tree that the healer will know of. For the amount, how yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, extremely powerful. Now, I understand that you are in the process of setting up your own healing center in Peru. Yeah, uh, not my own healing center, but I'm helping to set up my uh, okay, teacher's yeah. mm -hmm. family healing center, which is already uh, set up. 
physically, okay. but more that um, I'm helping for him to uh, open it up to the wider community, the wider world, beyond his circle through a website and promotion and uh, okay. and just uh, spreading the word that he and his family are offering these immersive experiences with plant medicine. Yeah, because, and we haven't talked about it up until now, <laughs> clearly marketing and advertising or information about such healing centers being available and what is being offered is crucial to people's all over the world knowing about it and deciding, okay, can I do it? Can't I do it? Am I, you know, can I afford it? Do I have time? Can I travel? I mean, especially now with COVID, that's that's you know big question mark, obviously, in terms of uh, safety and restrictions. I mean, hopefully the day will come, and I'm very positive about it, that COVID will no longer be an issue as it is now. One day, hopefully, I don't know when, I don't know how, but it will happen. And so giving people information about such healing centers and such services, if you like, being available is really important. And I also understand that you are planning to open similar center in Mexico. So that will be your own center, is it correct? That's right. Yeah, that's a, a longer term plan that I'm uh, that I'm putting intentions towards. And we're only just acquiring uh, the, the land, the space of where that might be. So it will take a little bit of time still. But yeah, using Mexico as a, uh, as a platform to introduce the medicine in a more kind of softer Uh, more accessible way and then anyone that wants to go deeper can go and uh, join us in the Amazon in Peru Before this recording, we also talked about the Incas tradition. How how does it wave into what we've spoken about so far about easing access to plant medicine? So yeah, I have been practicing uh, the parts of the Inca tradition and learning about the Inca cosmology, and that really weaves in well with how one can. Um, start to open up to the idea of uh, connecting with the spirit of not just a plant, but an elemental spirit or the spirit of nature. So their tradition um, really works on uh, intention and meditations that uh, use intention to connect with these plant spirits and also elemental spirits. And it's very simple. It's a very simple um, type of shamanism, let's say, that doesn't use necessarily psychoactive plants or anything in order to forge these connections and these relationships with the nature spirits. So just from your intention and opening up to a type of sacred reciprocity You intend to connect with the spirit of a mountain, let's say, and you um, send them love, uh, munai, 
uh, it's called. And through the process of Aini, meaning I am in sacred reciprocity, when one when they have they hold the idea that uh, just by you sending out um, your munai, your love to a spirit being, it's almost like a law of the universe that you will receive something back. And just through that process and practice, you and you start to listen deeply you start to see that you can certainly force these connections. Okay, right. So we t- so this is more of the Inca's cosmology? Yes. So, we, so this is much broader than just plant medicine? Yes. It's their cosmology about connection with the spirit and, and working with energy. Beautiful. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the cosmology is very simple and very beautiful, and it's all to do with how energy follows not just focus, because we have that in spirituality, whatever you focus on gets stronger, but it's also what what your intention is, is what uh, brings out the manifestation, like what uh, the results are. Mm. So if I intend to give love, I will receive love back. Mm. If I intend to open communication with the spirit, if I listen deeply and go into deep resonance and silence, I can feel that spirit communicating. Yes, beautiful. So as I said in my introduction, this is the essence of quantum living which is about enhancing our lives on this planet with a deep connection with the spirit world, with greater understanding of us being unlimited consciousness and connecting with other consciousnesses to, in the end of the day, have better lives and live better lives using both science and spirituality, science being the quantum the quantum understanding of the world and spirituality in terms of us being spiritual beings Mm -hmm. so that's why i yeah beautiful i love that yeah i yeah i I was i love this this intersection uh this space where science intersects with spirituality because it is so enriching and so powerful and so empowering as you said people who have had an ayahuasca experience or plant medicine experience come out of the other end changed, transformed with greater understanding of life, greater understanding of themselves. So everything that happens, if done prop- appropriately in this space, is for, the, for our benefit and by extension for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. Of, course, of course. Beautiful. So Roma, could you tell us how people can get in touch with you about uh, your current work, what are your offerings or services. And obviously I will include all the links in the show notes so people will be able to to click on them. But just to give us a sense of your work and what are your offerings, how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Thank you, Anna. Um, Yeah, so I will uh, share with uh, you my website link. And, uh, and also my contact details. And I will be taking uh, a couple of groups, maybe three groups, down to uh, Peru this spring. Um, 
the from mid-April to the whole of May and open up the opportunity for people to come and uh, work with the medicine of ayahuasca and also all the plant medicines that the Amazon or the forest has to offer and uh, through the plant diet experience and process. And, uh, and really, uh, everyone is welcome to come and see if this is uh, something that resonates with them. So I can also offer all of your listeners a free um, 45 minute phone call and we can uh, connect and see if this is something that uh, that works for okay. you. Um, and in my website, you'll see all my other offerings. If I'm here in, in, in the world and I'm not in the Amazon, then I uh, offer astrology uh, readings and also second um, energy work. Yes, because you, you travel between the Western world and the Amazon jungle. So once you are in the jungle, then obviously communication is is limited and you work yeah. uh, you are working in those centers in those healing centers and then when you come back you can you can be offering more services beautiful so as i said i will include those links in the show notes beautiful thank you thank you anna thank you so much so what would be your key message like key takeaway from this conversation that you would like to leave our listeners with mm, i love this Well, I'd like to share a little quote from Elliot Cohen uh, and from his book called Plant Spirit Medicine, because this sums up um, this whole share that we just had. And that is that plant spirit medicine recognizes that plants have spirit and that spirit is the strongest medicine because spirit can heal the deepest reaches of the heart and soul. Beautiful. I'm loving it. And yes, it beautifully encapsulates this conversation. Well, Roma, thank you so much for being being on Quantum Living thank you, and for sharing with us these fascinating topics. Um, I will include all the links in the show notes and I would encourage people interested in having an ayahuasca or plant medicine experience to get in touch with you taken advantage of a, of a free phone call, um, telephone conversation or consultation, if you like, just to have a chat about this, to find out whether this is something suitable for you and something that you would like to do and just have a great time chatting with Roma <laughs> as, as we did just now. So thank you so much and um, all the best on your own healing journey, on your plant medicine journey. And I do hope that with your work and with work of similar people, this information, this important information and knowledge will be shared with many more people across the world so that we can all benefit from it in our own way as needed. Thank you so much, Rama. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Namaste. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. 
For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.